When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. Normally, I would be sitting here with the greatest music producer in the world, Big Block Spencer, but he... Actually went to the wrong location today. Uh, also, we're getting to the end of the football season, and so we're going to get more back on track. But, of course, we also have my other partner in crime, the world-famous greatest NFL football player of all time, Veron Haynes. Veron, what's going on, brother? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well, man. I'm excited about today. Man, we got to get Block some directions, brother. We got to govern him. I know. he's uh, <laughs> Went to the wrong location. Very unblock-like and, uh, you know, in fairness to him, he's working, man. Yeah, well, in fairness he's to him, working. I'm he's at a different a location every time, and he's always following me around. So uh, I'm going to give him a pass right. on this one. Uh, today, we have a fantastic guest, uh, somebody who is monumentally successful and amazing, the great, the world famous Misha Maynard. Misha, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I don't want to cut the lead off. You're a Georgia State representative. So you are big in politics in the Atlanta area, and you're making a difference in your community and amazing, an amazing accomplishment to get elected to office. And uh, I would just like to have you share with our audience your story. How did you get to where you are? And uh, I'm sure you had no obstacles along the way that everything has just been easy all the way through. Tell us how you did it. You know, I think the first thing we probably need to say is, obstacles are always going to be in our path. You know, once you get past middle school, once you get past high school, once you get past college, (laughs) once you get married, once you have children, once you are a grandparent, um, it's important to just know that obstacles are there. It's in the Bible that there are going to be obstacles. And it really is knowing that there is light on the other side of every single obstacle. So that's, I think, is the most important thing. A lot of people do not know. They just assume, right? People will look at you and assume they know you. People will look at you and assume that they know your story. My story began um, on a street off of Simpson Road called Chapel Road. And so I am from the west side of Atlanta. When I was a little girl, I used to go to camp at Mosley Park. Um, the schools were failing at that time. So my mom sent me across town to Southwest middle school. And I eventually went to Mays high school, which was more of a middle-class community, um, black community, if you will. Life was not, um, easy for me. I had lots of obstacles, you know, one being a black girl at freckles, first and foremost, (laughs) I was teased 
quite a bit. Um, so I got past that. And my mom was an air traffic controller. So for a moment, we lived in Peachtree City. So I was the only black kid around. Then I had freckles. So I say that story just to say even physical characteristics um, can sometimes make life hard for you. But I will say growing up on the West Side, you learn that you cannot let people see you sweat. And so I've always just um, always looking forward while also being very aware of my surroundings. I went to Howard University. I got my bachelor's in health sciences, my master's in physical therapy. Actually wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon like Dr. Barber. And I looked at, and I, I hate that I, I changed my mind, but this is a, I think it's important for kids to know. I changed my mind because I said, it's no way in the world I want to go to school that long. I just can't. But what I know now is that time goes by really fast. And so if there is something that you want to do, don't let time discourage you. Um, everything has perfect timing as it will. But I love being a physical therapist. I do, or I was doing home health for the most part. So going into people's homes, what's really interesting about home health is instead of a patient coming to you in a controlled environment in home health, you are entering into someone's home and there are no, <laughs> there's nothing controlled. <laughs> Everything is a variable. Who's coming through the door? Who's going out of the door? Just, you know, it could be roach infestation. It could be just tons of things. But I think the thing that grounded me as a politician, honestly, is being a home health therapist, because I have seen firsthand what people um, are going through. I see how people live. Um, and I made a point to make sure that I did home health in my community, giving them quality care because a lot of times people that are in underserved communities, minority communities, they get the short end of the stick. And um, just as a Christian, as a believer, um, everyone deserves the best. Did you always know you wanted to go into politics or how did that happen? Never knew I wanted to go into politics. Um, I was on a trip with my girls. My mom called me and said that the city council person at the time, Ivor Young, on the West Side District 3, he died. He had cancer. I was not in politics at all. And a fleeting thought, I said, I'm going to run. And she was like, you're going to do what? You're a physical therapist. I was like, I'm going to run. Forgot about it. And about a month later, someone called me and said, hey, I'm running for city council. Will you vote for me? And that Holy Spirit within me said, you know, Misha, that's what I told you that you were going to do. <laughs> so I researched it and um, it was a lot of people in that race. A lot of people said, why are you running? I said, I have no idea, but the Holy Spirit told me to do it. So that's what I'm doing. I did not win. I did well, though. That race went to court because of a two-vote difference. And Holy Spirit talked to me again and said, 
you know, you ran not to win this race, but you ran to run for state office. And um, I know what I heard. And so here I am. (laughs) What are some of the roadblocks that you faced, right? And what advice from those roadblocks would you share with our middle schoolers? So roadblocks, so many. Um, I will say I have a brother that died by suicide. And um, if I could have told him any one thing, it would be there is a solution on the other end. Um, That probably hurts me the most, just not knowing that he was in trouble. And so there's always a solution. You know, it's interesting, too. We talk to a lot of different people on this show, and one of the common themes is you set out to accomplish a goal and you don't really reach that goal, but God shows you another path. And sometimes that path is greater than the one that you were initially heading down. And I know that's true in my own case, because when I was young, I wanted to be Varon and, you know, God just didn't give me the athletic ability to be Varon. And I ended up as an orthopedic surgeon, which now looking back on it, just seems like a pretty great course for me. But at the time, it felt very much like failure. And I know I was, you know, I suffered a lot. I was, you know, very uh, depressed and sad. And, you know, I go through the emotions I think that lots of people go through when they don't achieve their goals. And I wish I could go back and tell young me, like, don't worry about it when you fail. You know, there's something on the horizon. And that if you're the type of person that picks yourself up and keeps moving forward and tries to be positive, that, you know, good things are ahead. And I know I'm having this situation with my daughter, who is a fantastic singer, cutting an album with Block, actually. And she's just run into an obstacle with her theater teacher, who just doesn't see her as, you know, somebody that uh, gets cast in the big roles. And she's, you know, done everything in her power to, you know, be supportive when she's not even in the play. She still does all the stuff behind the scenes and everything. And she was really counting on getting a big role here recently and it didn't happen. And I know she was very down on it. And I just kind of was telling her like, Hey, just the world is like that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people just get in your way. uh, And it's not that they're necessarily evil people or whatever, but just for whatever reason, it's not in the cards for you, but listen, you know, and she's like, well, what do you mean? Listen, I'm like, listen for what God is telling you somewhere. There is an opportunity for you. And so she actually reached out to block and she wants to, you know, redouble down on her music and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself like, okay, I can see how this road, you know, might be working in her benefit. And, um, I think it's just so important for our audience to understand that this is just normal for everybody. How did you keep yourself motivated and positive? And, and, you know, you sound very sort of erudite in your like, Oh, I, you know, I didn't win, but I knew that I was in good shape. I mean, obviously you had more emotion than that, the disappointment, because it's not a small thing to run for office, right? It's a lot of work and a lot of effort. And then to come up short, like, it sounds like you lost by just a little bit. How did you stay positive and kind of move on to the next thing? Uh, you know, I guess let's go back um, to being a child. Um, I say that, you know, if you grow up in a tough environment, a challenging household, um, you can let that household or that environment break you or you can let it build you. And 
for me, my spirit was not one that could tolerate being broken. (laughs) You know, it just didn't feel good to be broken. Um, And so, and, and I hate that I'm sounding like this, but this is just the truth. I did not want to be broken. I did not want to be defeated. So my spirit was always fight, 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 you know, be happy, be happy, be happy. Always look at the glass um, half full versus half empty, because if you're looking at it half empty, then it is empty. Right. So it really is a, a mindset. You know, adults, we call it growth mindset. But for kids, I would say you got to know who you are. You've got to, one, surround yourself around positive people. And I'll tell you something that probably saved me. Um, I have a really good friend named Kia Phillips. She ended up being a multi-platinum rapper. She was in a group called The Capers. And her brother is an entertainment lawyer in Atlanta. And their mom was so much into the Bible, right? So if I went to her house, it could be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If we were there, she was pulling out the Bible and she was reading scriptures and you had to sit down at least 10 minutes. There were sticky notes all over the house of scriptures, which at the time was kind of weird, right? You know, that wasn't what my household was like, but in the same Breath also had an aunt that was very much like that, too. You know, if you went over there, you were going to Bible study, you were doing all of these things. And that was not what was happening in my household. And so as he and I grew older, now we're in, let's just say we're in high school. Sometimes we would ask ourselves, actually, this is a this is a good one. We graduated from college Um And we were like, who made up the concept of work? Like, why do we have to work? You know, there's just, who who did that, (laughs) right? And one day I came across in the Bible, it said, you must work. And when you work, you must do well at it. And so I remember calling her and saying, Kia, I found out (laughs) why we must work. It's in the Bible. And So I would say that I sound the way I sound is because I I am grounded um, in something much higher than me. And you don't need a kid's mom or you don't need an aunt to have you pick up a Bible, right? It is actually very cool to pick a Bible up, read it alone, read it with someone else, read it with your mom. Even if she thinks it's weird or your dad or a brother, because at the end of the day, you're going to learn something in it. And I press, I persevere and I press on because I know who I am. No one can tell me I'm a failure because the Bible tells me that I am amazing. (laughs) So no one can tell me that I'm not. Um, And for my kids, I have a... I was going to say for anybody listening to our show, you know, the theme, the common theme to all of our big timers successful is faith and a believer, uh, you know, belief in, in Jesus Christ and a life hereafter and a power that's greater than ourselves and the teachings of the Bible. And it's to the point now 
where it's almost like even if you don't have an actual faith, you have to recognize that people who do are successful and it's worth looking into, you know, and I can say that unapologetically, like I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Christian that I, you know, that I believe in God, that, that, you know, God guides me and that, you know, I'm looking to God for guidance uh, for everything I do and that I try to live my life according to what he wants for me. And uh, I know that that's, you know, not always a popular thing or even a safe thing to say these days, but it's just true. And, um, and, you know, my father used to always tell me, if you want to be successful at something, find somebody who's done it and do what they do. And one of the things we're seeing is faith. Scott, to your point and, 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 and that book, right? All the answers are in there. Yeah. Kudos to you for for for, yep. for successfully finding that at an early age because you know we we wander around life and the answers are staring us right in our face if we'll just turn to it and 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 history repeats itself correct right so that's what I was taught and and but why make a mistake when you're governed by a book of laws and a book of uh, of, of faith based people who have done it the right way right so kudos to you. I must say that. And uh, I digress. Let me go back. Who was some of your, who was somebody who you looked up to as a kid, as a child, a mentor, so to speak? I would say the person I was closest to was my grandfather. Uh, My grandfather would wake up, you know, five o'clock in the morning um, he would make his breakfast. He was a builder. He worked at Lockheed. I didn't know what any of that meant, but I just liked his character. <laughs> um, I loved the strength that he portrayed. And for me to grow up in a terrible, I'm not going to say terrible environment, but a, a rough environment. Um, and being in a household with a single mom with maybe men that should not have been in my home, that even with all of that, the the memory of my grandfather did not sway me to go in a path I should not have gone. Like, you know, I know how I'm supposed to be treated because of how my grandfather treated me. I know how people are supposed to talk to me because of how my grandfather talked to me. I know what love feels like when someone hugs you because of how my grandfather hugged me. So I would say he is definitely the person that has impacted me the most. It's that connection to other people that's so important. We talk about that on the show all the time too, about having some sort of mentorship. And that's really what Doc in the Block podcast and our Big Timers organization, that's really what we're all about is trying to offer some guidance and some insight into life. You know, we always talk about wisdom is the knowledge of things that never change. And, you know, the uh, sort of the example of that is, you know, it's knowledge to know that tomato tomatoes are a fruit, but it's wisdom to know not to put them in a fruit salad. You know, and the thing is, is when we're young, we think we know everything and we're not aware that people who have a little more experience than us kind of know things that we don't know because they've already been there, done that and made those mistakes. And if we could just open our minds up a little more to people with experience, and that's not to say to just accept everything that everybody tells you uh, just because of their position. That's the, I, I would actually counsel people against that. Like I don't accept anything anybody says just because 
of their education or their position or their, you know, or their authority that they have. I always think for myself, but you also have to have an open mind and an understanding that, you know, many people have come before us. I've been reading uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And for people who don't know that, some of our listeners, Marcus Aurelius was an emperor uh, back in Rome, uh, ancient Rome. And if you ever saw the movie Gladiator, the um, Richard Harris character was Marcus Aurelius. And he was known for being a, a very scholarly man, uh, a pretty good leader for the time and innovative and educated. And he wrote a book called Meditations, which is just his observations of life and how to motivate people and just all kinds of things. And as I'm reading this thing, it made me realize like people are really just the same. You know, 2000 years ago, they were the same types of people with the same types of um, characteristics. And that uh, it's just another example of why you need to listen to people that have experience and try to learn from from their mistakes. How did you avoid the pitfalls? You know, we all have this, uh, you know, things that will take us off the right path. And we all have, um, you know, sometimes compulsions to do things that are not, you know, not right, not legal, maybe not in our best interest, but it feels good at the moment. How did you find the discipline to avoid those pitfalls? And what were they for you? Well, I definitely don't want to end this show with anyone thinking I have not stumbled. Um, I've stumbled here. We always talk about that. <laughs> We've all, we're not here yeah. preaching. We're like right there with everybody. Oh yeah. yeah. Daily. Yeah. We- I have stumbled. I can say probably what has saved me is being patient. Um, and understanding that there's something inside of me. So I've always been one to listen, you know, be still, but you know, I had to be still a lot of times because there was a lot of trauma going on around me. And so being still, meditating, trying to only focus on me versus my environment, um, I think that is where I got that discernment from. And so with that, there's patience. So all of my friends were always had boyfriends and dated Um but I would see them in terrible relationships. Right. And I, so that meant I never wanted to just be in a relationship to be in a relationship. Um, I didn't want to be someone hitting me, you know, I didn't want someone yelling at me. Um, but that took patience because most women and most young girls feel like having a boyfriend is very important for, you know, for whatever reason. And, I want to say that that's not important, right? I have two girls. And one of the things I tell my girls is, look, I know you're not going to like this, but you're only going to like him for like six months. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can get past 90 days. Then we can talk a little bit more. Then if you get to, you know, six months, we can talk a little bit more. But I don't even want to hear what his name is because this is just, (laughs) Not even going to go anywhere. So patience. Um, I think just slowing down, knowing that no, no decision has to be made right away. Think about when you're driving. I never understand why people just cut in front of you so fast. Right. And it's like, just let the car pass. It's, It's no hurry. Right. You can save your life and maybe someone else's if you just slow down. 
you know, I have two daughters as well, and they're just getting to the age where they're dating. And so fortunately, they talk to their mother a lot about all this stuff, not to me as much, but I'm always counseling them. You're better off not being in a relationship than being in the wrong relationship. And that's a difficult thing for young people to understand how to respect themselves, um, to understand that there's a certain way to be treated. Uh, You know, I try to talk to my daughters too about, you know, the boys that they're seeing now, they're new to this too, and they're going to make mistakes. So you have to have some grace uh, with the way other people are, especially in a relationship. But that's, that's a big part of life is learning how, how to navigate a relationship because it's really complicated. And of course you have feelings in there that are very strong that affect your ability to think rationally, which is why, you know, when I do my surgery, I always, I always try to put myself into a position where I've thought through every problem ahead of time. Cause the last thing you want to be doing is figuring stuff out when you're panicking, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I know from experience that, when the pressure's on and and I'm stressed, that's not when I want to start thinking about big problems and trying to make come up with solutions. And so I try to come up with my solutions ahead of time. So if something happens, it's like, okay, I already thought through this and I'm going to do the next thing. And I think you can. And it's okay to be by yourself. 100%. It's 100%. okay to love yourself. And you should extrapolate okay. that out to the rest of your life too, about how do you, how do you handle certain situations and learn when things don't go your way, you know, when you, and I still do it to this day, you know, I have interactions with people and it doesn't turn out the way I want it. And I have to look back on it. How could I've done that better? You know, one of the, one of the great things that I've learned uh, mostly through psychiatry is most of the time when you're having disagreements with people, it has to do with creating anxiety in the other person. You know, when we escalate, and you're arguing with somebody, you're getting anxious about something, they're getting anxious about something. And one of the best ways to manage arguments or disagreements with people is if you can project onto the other person and figure out what's making them anxious, and then figuring out a way to alleviate their anxiety, that's a great way uh, for a relationship. And I know like for my wife and I, a big thing was when I was young and we first met, I told her, we're living in California. And uh, that's non-negotiable, you know, so we're going to go through my medical training. And then when we're done, we're going to live in California and that's it. Well, she was from Florida. She didn't want to live in California. And so anytime we had a conversation about where we're going to live, she was anxious and it would always escalate things. And then when I look back on it, I realize it wasn't a very nice thing for me to do to just tell, <laughs> tell my wife, like, this is how it's going to be. You know what I mean? That's creates an anxiety in the other person. And if I had been able to think about, okay, she doesn't want to live in California. How can I alleviate her fears by saying things like, well, let's talk about the pros and cons of living in different areas. And I will include you uh, in this decision and we'll decide together where we're going to live. That would have been a, me- you know, a, um, a method of alleviating her fears and probably would have saved us a lot of, um, arguments over the years. And I find that to be true even now when I'm dealing with other people, I think to myself, if things are escalating, I try to figure out what is it that they're anxious about and how can I fix it? So, so to your point, Scott, I just get this. I just sent them a book, right? And it's the four agreements. And I would 
give this book and recommend this book to anybody. And one of the first things that they talk about is right being true to your word. Like whenever you say something, just be like, do it. Yeah. Right. And we're going to stumble, but it's the four agreements that you've got to make with yourself, that you're going to be a man of your man or woman of your word. Then it's going to be, you got to be patient. All the stuff that we're talking about, like it's, it's just, it's, it's like, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm like looking at a, a, a mirror and it's like, whoa, I just I couldn't have drunk this up. It's it's reassuring and, and, and it's confirmation that we're on to something, guys. Uh, yeah. uh, four agreements. Yeah. Read, get that book. I'm telling you, it's, I, a, it's an easy read, but it, it definitely goes with the theme that we're talking about here today. We talk about on this show, honesty, integrity, accountability being a good teammate and having courage, right? Courage to do to do the right thing and then service to others. You know, true satisfaction in this world is service to others. How did you know that politics was an opportunity for you to serve? I mean, clearly as a physical therapist going to people's homes and everything, that's sort of a service type industry. How did you know that you wanted to serve people in another way through politics? I can say that as a physical therapist, um, more so right before I went into politics, I was the director of outpatient rehab at Emory. And I remember having a patient on a table, several patients, you know, having people on the table. I'm working, you know, my hands on them. And I remember God saying, you are going to help many more people, as if to say this one person in front of you, you have the capacity to help many. I did not know what that meant at the time, but that was a recurring thought that would come through my mind. And so here we are in politics again. I never thought about politics. (laughs) Um, And so I think the benefit, though, is since I am service oriented, you know, my mom was really one that she would go to elderly or seniors homes in a community and just clean their house. And I would be with her and I would be like, why are we here? (laughs) You know, why do we have to do this? And she would say, who else is going to do it? And so she wasn't getting paid. We literally were just in filthy homes of seniors that could not clean their own homes. And so that was her service to the community. So I think that probably is in my DNA. I will say, though, that what I want the kids to know is politics is not what you think it is. You can't just assume what you see on TV is the truth. Um, A lot of people want to call me courageous because of my move from being a Democrat to a Republican. Um, I say walking down the street with crackheads, getting off the school bus is courageous. I don't think switching from party to party is courageous, but I switched parties because once I got in office and started reading the bills and the legislation, seeing how it impacted the community that I served, I realized this is this is suppressing, (laughs) you know, black communities. It is oppressive. It is trying to keep them in a box. Um, And so I switch parties because I don't want the people I represent to be stuck anywhere. Right. So it wasn't necessarily courage. It was just being of service. 
Well, I think it's, you know, following, you know, one of the things we talk about on this show is following the truth wherever that leads you. And sometimes being truthful is difficult, you know, uh, it's and it's uncomfortable and it's, but it's important, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, when I look in the mirror every day, I try to be a better person today than I was yesterday. And as we said earlier, I fail a lot. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about patience and I'm 58 years old and I don't think there's anybody on the planet who knows me who would use patience and me in the same sentence. Um, and I, I also think anybody watching this show is kind of laughing about it. Um, but it's on my mind, you know, I'm still trying to get better and I don't know what it is in me that, um, that creates this lack of patience, but it's a serious flaw of mine and I try to work on it. And shockingly to a lot of people who know me, I'm way more patient now than I used to be. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we all, we all have to work on ourselves. Um, but, uh, one of the things I think that's important is that we're always learning. We're always trying to be better and we can learn from each other. I think there's a lot of power in community on the uh, micro level. You know what I mean? We think about the world around us. Sometimes, uh, you know, I can't change the world, but I can affect the people that I'm going to come in contact with today. And just small things like being courteous to people, recognizing people, um, recognizing the wants, needs, and desires of other people around me and not always thinking about myself. These are little ways that you make a better world, you know, and uh, you start off, I picked up my Starbucks on the way in and just a simple good morning to the person uh, who's giving me my coffee is a way to touch their life and mine and starting it off in a, in a good way. So um, the other thing I want to say too, before we end the show is if anybody out there wants to be an orthopedic surgeon or anything else, and one of the things that detracts you is the amount of time that it takes to achieve the goal, I would say, don't think like that. Because although it's true, I went through 13 years of training. And more than that, if you think about how long it took me to actually get into school, I was not dead during that training. Some of the best years of my life were during that training. Uh, residency was an amazing time. Uh, it was very fun. It was very exciting. We had a lot going on. I mean, I was working at the busiest trauma center in the world. And so I was, you know, taking care of all kinds of people. I was learning my craft, which was exciting. And so the journey is what's important. And that's what I tell, uh, you know, I mentor a lot of these fighters that are in the UFC. And they, of course, have a lot of emotions and things. And one of the things I'm always telling them is you are in the crucible right now. Enjoy the journey. This is the exciting part because. When you get to the end, I mean, Veron, I know you look back on winning the Super Bowl, right? And it's like winning the Super Bowl was great, but man, the stuff that you really reflect on was all the hard work, all the training, all the sacrifice, all the stuff you had to overcome, all the failure along the way that makes putting that ring on like, man, putting the ring on was sweet, but the journey is what made it taste good. Absolutely. You know, when guys think about retiring, they don't miss the, 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 the actual game in itself, which is part of it. But what they do miss is the camaraderie, the blood, sweat and tears with your peers, the, 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 the ebb and flows of life, right? That's what we miss. That, 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 that gives us our blood that drives us each and every day. So uh, I would say, honestly, man, this is, this is a great moment just to be alive. Um, 
stick with it, guys. You know that 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 whatever your passions are, write it down. That's another thing that I would advise guys, uh, people to do. Write it down. It's only a dream until it till you put it on paper. Then it becomes a goal, right? Uh, that's that's that that's something. But you, all these people that we have on the show, they're successful for a reason, and you hear the same common themes. So. I think, you know, it's 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 no mystery. Continue your path, govern yourself accordingly to what you hear these all our successful people say. Misha Maynard, you are absolutely a big timer. Thank you so much for being generous with your time. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you? Um, go to MishaMaynard.com, M-E-S-H-A-M-A-I-N-O-R, and come to the Capitol. A lot of Black people, minorities, do not go to the Capitol, never puts step foot into the Capitol. Call my office. I will take you on a personal tour, 404-656-0126. You deserve to be in the Capitol. That's your house. Well, everybody, that's another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. Follow us at docintheblock.com and bigtimers.org. Veron, have a great week. Misha, have a great week. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We'll see you guys next time. Mm